0: Detours Ahead, a podcast about creative living. Hello Hello. and welcome. (laughs) This is the first episode in which we interview another guest and uh, we had a fantastic guest, Dr. Stephen Schuler, also known as Steve.
1: Also known as pretty much the best first guest that we could right. have asked for to kick off this whole thing.
0: And if it's not clear and we sound like we're living in a, in a different time, that's because we recorded this in a very different time. Yes, we did. We started recording these in early January, so which feels like about a thousand years ago. So if we come across Mm. as being clueless and out of touch...
1: And just a little too happy. That's because (laughs) because we were. We had no idea. All versions
0: of ourselves are clueless and out of touch. Yes. And possibly contemporary versions of ourselves are too. But that's why we're trying to educate ourselves.
1: Wow, that got really deep. So back to Stephen. (laughs)
0: Okay. And uh, so, yes, our first guest... A master craftsman Mm -hmm. makes things out of wood, Mm -hmm. amazing things. Yes. Um, And even if you've never thought about woodworking before, you will get a great sense about how a creative, artistic person thinks about the work that they do and brings passion to it.
1: Yes, and also balances other aspects of life on top of being an incredible craftsman Stephen is also a professor he's a father he's a Milton scholar right. so he's got a lot going on and yes. by father I mean he's he's got quite a brood going right. on there. so he's a busy man but he also makes the time to create
0: exactly so and he mm. gave us two spoons yes two beautiful spoons yes which we use every day well you use because I don't really cook right, but you I use every day <laughs>
1: and I wash afterwards
0: they're amazing they
1: are and um we're gonna put links to, to those to his work places where you can find out more about him yeah and this is uh,
0: our first interview yeah so
1: sit back sit relax back. enjoy enjoy
0: hello Welcome to Detours Ahead. Tonight we are here with the legendary Dr. Stephen Schuler.
2: Welcome <laughs> to the show. Oh, hello, Michael, Elizabeth. It's a delight to be here. Thank you for coming all
0: the way from your apartment, your house in the beautiful suburb of Chickasaw, where we live as well. Yes. How long have you lived in Chickasaw for? Oh, this
2: is my twelfth year, I think.
0: Your twelfth year.
2: Yeah. Wow.
0: And uh, for people who don't know what Chickasaw is, it is a it's officially called the historical shipyard district of Chickasaw, is that yeah. correct?
2: Yeah, we're in the West Village. There are two of them, evidently. One okay. of them's across the tracks, but we're in the West Historic Village, yeah.
0: The West Historic Village, okay. And it is um, it was once owned by a shipbuilding company. Yeah, that's right. And these, these houses were lived in by the employees of the, shipbuild, of the shipbuilding company. And they are quite beautiful houses. Yeah. Some of them dating back there, 100 years old.
2: 100 years old last year, actually. We think ours is in 1918 or 1919.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, yeah our house has a similar, it has a historical badge stuck on the outside of it. Um, and it's, it's quite a magical neighborhood there are as many cats as people. That's true. That live in this neighborhood.
2: I'm sorry to say some of them are probably mine. Oh, they are? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, three of them. Oh, okay.
0: So. And there's they, literally some houses you walk past there and they're just cats that live there.
2: Yeah, that's not mine. That's not yours, <laughs> no, no. no, okay. No, the, the children, many of those are mine <laughs> yes. too, so.
0: Many of those are <laughs> yours, yes. But they're, they're um, better behaved than the cats. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs>
2: when I'm looking, they are. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. So, if you so, what is your first of all for those of you listening who don't know, who are not familiar with Dr. Stephen Schuler, what is your day job? How would you
2: describe it? Well, my my day job. Well, when I when I tell my children what I do, I tell children that I teach people to read and write. Okay. Um, and what that means on paper is that I'm. A, uh, associate Professor of English and Director of the Honors Program at University of Mobile here up in, uh, right up in Mobile, Alabama, right on the outskirts of beautiful Saraland, which is perhaps more economically prosperous but not as charming as Chickasaw.
0: Ah, <laughs> very well put, yes. Okay, and um, what is the Honors Program exactly?
2: oh I know well some people don't. this is called detours ahead isn't it yeah. yeah so the honors program is a wonderful thing it's a it is a community of faculty and students who are uh, united in seeking the truth of things in love mm-hmm. um, and it's, uh, it's an accelerated academic program um, and so instead of taking some of your entry-level uh, English composition courses you take seminar style great books courses uh, you read Books of philosophy and theology and literature and uh, all kinds of other subjects, uh, art and music, uh, things that really matter. And you you come to class and you you talk about them. And sometimes you argue about them. And, and of course, Michael, you're a, you're you're, you're teaching one right now. Yeah, I am so sure yeah,
0: we're <laughs> the interview has been caught, Yeah. Tell me, what is this thing called the honors program <laughs> oh. that you happen to be in teaching be in. in? Yes. Um,
2: well, that's part of my, my my job is to rope other faculty members right. into it uh, and keep people engaged, and it's uh, so it's been a delight to have you uh, have you teaching in it too. By the way, it's
0: been yeah, it's been the highlight of my academic career. I think oh, I'm pl- students, very pleased to hear that. Yeah, the students are extremely engaged. They are, they and I... read the books. At least some of them do. Yeah, enough yeah. that you can have a very constructive conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, i think it was at one of those honors parties where i first discovered that you had a wooden pipe
1: ah
2: so i do and several actually
0: several and then i learned that these pipes had been carved by your own hand Mm. and um this is one of the key reasons why we have you on this show about creative living is because it turns out that you are a, a master craftsman not just an english professor but a a master craftsman of wooden beautiful wooden things so i'm very intrigued by that because i've never met i don't think i've ever known anyone else who was so advanced in the craft of making beautiful wooden things and did it as a hobby as well well i've, I've never even known anyone did it professionally mm. so my question is the first question: How did you get into being? How did this come about? How did this become part of your life?
2: Well, yeah, that's quite a story. So I was in I was in graduate school, and uh, and this was at Baylor University. Uh, I was living near. Waco, Texas, before Chip and Joanna Gaines got a hold of it, um, and so, and I'm sorry, I, I love what they've done with the place, yes. I really do. Um, yeah, Elizabeth is a so, big fan of this, and well, it's, to them. So. Well, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, well, it's much better than what Waco used to be known for, those longtime listeners may remember David Koresh and all that mess, but um, yeah, much better to have, uh, to have the, the fixer-upper thing. So uh, anyway, um, but what I was doing... Was of course I was I was studying literature and I was accumulating a, a massive amount of books and my uh, my bookshelves were uh, were struggling under the weight of books which you know, these particle board things that you buy at Walmart, they, they tend to do that after a wow. while. We
0: have some in our house. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I, I
2: noticed on my way in. Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, you, it's careful. It, it can be a gateway drug. So okay. as, as Providence would have it, uh, near Waco uh, is is a little place uh, called Homestead Heritage. And what they do there, is it's, a, it's a religious community, but it's also a, a living craft village, and they one uh, part of their mission is to keep alive uh, crafts uh, so they teach mm-hmm. classes and gardening and pottery and bread making and as it happened woodworking uh, I happened to be there for an event uh, with some friends and we got talking to the people there and they they were they were talking about how if you, if you take a few classes with them they can teach you some basics in joinery and uh, putting and shaping two pieces of wood so they fit together nicely uh, and, and in a sturdy way that won't come apart and uh, so I, I ended up taking a couple of classes with them um, try and then and then of course my problem was that I um, I didn't have any kind of a workshop I was living in a single wide trailer in the middle of a uh, in the middle of a cornfield and so (laughs) literally literally, yes yes there was a cornfield on one side cows across the street um, hayfield on one side little Baptist Church down the road it was truly yeah, truly picturesque. So I, yeah, we, my, my wife and I started our married life in a trailer. Okay. Um, things have gotten better since then. <laughs> yes. Uh, so anyway, so my problem though was was trying to do that in my little in my little trailer. Most of which was carpeted, and of course, woodworking makes a terrible mess. Um, all the chips and things like that. But um, my my wife is is both. Handy and understanding okay. uh, So grace allowed me too, to
0: too important <laughs> Well, I think so Yes.
2: Yeah. Uh, so um, uh, So anyway grace uh, allowed me to encourage me in fact uh, To to construct this tiny little workbench two feet long and 18 inches wide uh, As a kitchen island, which was the only place in the in the house that didn't have carpeting And so I, I outfitted it with a vice. I bought a few hand tools as I could afford them, which, which wasn't oh. much as a grad student, as you know, um, but you know one or two at a time here and there, and, and started, uh, started working wood. I also, uh, I also spent an awful lot of time trying to do some research online, trying to connect with people who did this mm-hmm. kind of thing, um, you know, most of the time when you do woodwork, you 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 have a you know a, a big shop you know maybe a garage or something that's outfitted with a lot of a lot of big machinery and, and the the job of the worker is to just you know, set up the machinery and then feed the wood through and let let the machinery do all the work okay. um, which is a fairly modern way to do it nothing wrong with that if that's the kind of thing you like to do uh, tend machines all day um, but but I don't I, I like to <laughs> I like to do it a do it a different way. So I, I learned to use traditional hand tools mostly by reading online. this was even before YouTube was a big thing huh. and, uh, and and so yeah a lot of reading and a lot of experimenting and a lot of things gone wrong but but learning with every little project how to how to use the tools, how to take care of the tools and so uh, to this day I mean I can fit most of the tools that I need every day in, uh, in a tool chest that um, uh, that is, uh, oh, it's about two feet high and two feet deep and maybe three and a half feet wide, and, and that's, that's my toolkit. Um, yeah, for most things. I, I have a couple of mach- machines now okay. uh, that, I, that I do use that speed things up okay. uh, substantially.
0: Wow, and this, this, this genuinely is me hearing this for the first time. Yeah. I'm, I'm not pretending not to know this. Um, <laughs> I had assumed that you'd grown up doing it, uh, that you were like a, that, that it had yeah. been something you just sort of learned from your father or oh. mother or something. <laughs> so now I know—I know you actually taught this to yourself yeah. later in life. I'm even yeah. more impressed. So okay.
2: Well, the funny thing is, yeah, my my, my father—my father's a physician. He knows yeah. his way around the human body really well, but uh, but he's not handy. <laughs> At home. My mother was the one you who did you any... You wouldn't dissect thing.
0: bodies in the... In... <laughs> no.
2: But, but you know, the funny thing is that I, I do have it back in my, in my blood. You know, my grandfather... I had a grandfather who was pretty handy... Uh, I inherited a couple of tools for him, but my great-grandfather um, was a craftsman. He was an entrepreneur and all sorts of things. Um, but he, he had a whole shop outfitted. He, he built himself his own kayak, um, which I saw yes. hanging on a, the wall of a garage once. And yeah, so it's it's there somewhere. somewhere. Hiding in the jeans, um, yeah to be
0: expressed.
2: Yeah, but the only thing I ever did building wise as a kid was was nailing together a few you know bits of old barn wood to, to make tree forts. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, because we, we lived I'm not sure there.
0: that I even went that far. Yeah. I may have just nailed one plank to another plank and thrown it into the water. Oh, there you go. I don't even know why I <laughs> water. <laughs>
2: that's another, that's a detour there.
0: But sorry, you say saying how you lived, you, you, you grew up in the, I know you grew up in the Midwest somewhere. Yeah,
2: yeah I, I grew up in Northern Illinois, right mm. out, again, out in the middle of the cornfields. This whole living in suburbia thing is, I'm, I'm still getting used to it. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I grew up, uh, you know, climbing over barbed wire fences and walking through creeks in the summer and, um we didn't live on a working farm, but there were farms all around us, and so, yeah, I spent a lot of time up in trees and in old barns trying to trying to nail together boards for, for forts with my <laughs> brothers. I don't think they would yes. have really ever been, you know, really defensible uh, yeah. positions, strongholds, but, uh, but it sure was the fun. The
0: invading army had come for you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you ever build a Trojan horse?
2: No, but the honors program did once oh, as really? a part of a final project. Oh, really? <laughs> and I think we got pictures of it up in the honors lounge, oh, actually. Oh, of wood. Yeah, two-by-fours and covered, oddly enough, with uh, with, with pizza boxes. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, we just turned them yeah. wrong, you know logo side in for the, the, oh, co- the right. skin logo on the, on the horse
0: that that wasn't it's not historically accurate but i mean no but it sure looked good looked standing
2: good. up front right in right right uh right up front of weaver the main administrative oh, building nice yeah it the was
0: administration took it in and thought it was a gift.
2: well yeah well we were hoping they would it disappeared the next day we're okay. not entire we never no one's really ever sure what happened to it Okay, there are there's legends some, of it some in the strange woods. Strange
0: things that show up around campus. From like there is a life, well not life size, but a large replica of the the, the stones on which the Code of Hammurabi yes. is written. Yes, yes. I just it appeared one day in, near my office. Oh, really? I'm oh, not yeah. no kidding. Well, it used and, to be uh, in the library before okay. they downsized it. Yes. Yeah. I think it might even be life-size, maybe. I mean, it's tall.
2: It is, it's about as tall as you are.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. As tall, as big, maybe even bigger than me, full of engraved, uh, whatever that would have been, cuneiform or Yeah. yeah.
2: Oh, it's fascinating. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, they, so there's yeah. also a, a replica of the Rosetta Stone lying around oh, somewhere. Oh, really? Yeah, I, that may still be up in the library. I don't know. It's gotten moved so around a bit. So many treasures. Yeah. Don't, you, yeah. don't even start me on the the busts of Shakespeare and Lord Byron that used to be in one of the galleries. Shakespeare, I understand. I really don't know what a Baptist university is doing with Lord Byron,
0: <laughs> stirring up some trouble. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, do you? You you mentioned that you managed to tap into like a woodworking community when yeah. you were when you were starting. Mm-hmm. Do you still? Are you still part of some kind of? Uh, yeah woodworking commun communal world or so it's
2: uh the you know the the internet is a is a weird thing it's changed a lot even over the past fifteen years um you know when I started doing this and thinking back just what the technology available was. Um, you know this is largely before smartphones largely before um, before camera phones were particularly good and before it was easy to take and post videos um, so a lot of the the woodworking community online was in forums and there were a, a bunch of really big very very active online forums and and they were wonderful because you could uh, they still exist uh, they're they're not as populous as they used to be um, but they they did you know you could uh you could, you know, ask a question. Hey, I'm trying to do this. What's the mm. best way to? What's the best finish for this kind of product? You know, project or, you know, what's the? You know, I'm, I'm looking at this kind of tool. Has anybody had any experience with this particular brand? And you'd get, you know, 10, 20 replies. And sometimes they would start arguments over it. And that's what that was. Lots of fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and it was it was really it, and it was good. And you you could get um, you could get a lot of that. The the one that I. Uh, that I tapped into was called Woodnet. Uh, I ended up as a moderator there actually because I would post so <laughs> <laughs> much. Um, wow, yeah, gosh. I stepped down from that after a, after a while. But um, but uh, there were many of these these forums. As I said, they still exist. Um, but a lot of the discussion has moved to more image-based uh, okay. platforms. Instagram. I do have. Uh, I, I do do Instagram Steve underscore Shuler if you want to follow me Steve uh, underscore yeah there we go. Okay. I which is where I post a lot of my woodwork okay, yes. stuff
0: they, sh- they show up on, on Facebook as yes well, sometimes. yeah well you
2: know Instagram and Facebook are, are, they, are connected yes right? so you're the yeah.
0: last man who uses Facebook for non-inflammatory purposes just beautiful wooden things I'm glad purposes.
2: Yeah, I'm glad somebody appreciates that <laughs> I will continue to be non-inflammatory on Facebook <laughs> I always thought that social media was really Really just for trying to amuse one's friends. Yes. That's
0: it was at one point. Yeah. yeah. And
2: share pictures of, you know, right. your you know, your cute pictures of your kids with, with far flung family members yeah. and old friends from graduate school. Right. Um, so I, I kind of keep to that. Okay. Good. But um, but yeah, I so a lot of it and of course a lot of the, the woodworking content is on YouTube, um, mm. which is, is very, very helpful. There are a lot of a lot of techniques and processes for for cutting wood and cutting joints and and surfacing and and even setting up tools that really makes a lot more sense when you have a short video uh, to watch. Um, And of course a lot more people watch video than actually read content, so it reaches a wider audience. Um, have you posted things there? A um, little bit here and there. I, d- I don't have anything on YouTube. Um, I'm not as confident as my in my camera abilities. That and it's just a lot of work. Um, okay. Well the other thing that's happened to me is... I wouldn't say I, I've gone semi-professional, but I've come to... I've come to rely on it just a little bit, on mm-hmm. the, the woodworking, uh, to, eh, if not pay the bills, at least, you know, give the kids a nicer Christmas.
0: Great. This is what I, we wanted so, to hear some more of. Yeah. yeah. So, tell, so tell me more right. about that. Well,
2: that. yeah. So so one of the things that I've had to do is, is specialize. And there's a lot of things I can do. I, I've I've built you know a bit of furniture. I, I mean, my wife and I have a nice bedstead and end tables that I built. I've actually built every every bed frame in the house now, um, including the kids love showing this off. Uh, a triple decker bunk bed wow. for the three middle girls who who have the misfortune of sharing a room. A uh, triple
0: bunk bed. Triple, That's yes. Amazing. Well, we have high ce- I might have I might have seen it maybe yeah. when I was at your house. Yes. So. Well, pop yeah. in
2: next time you're over. The okay. uh, the kids have this. Uh, well, th- as you said, we live in old houses, and old houses tend to have higher ceilings. Yes. Um So I was able to stack them up. I don't know that yours are. Particularly, we're all looking at the ceilings here now. Um, I think yours are pretty, pretty standard eight foot, but but uh, in some areas of our house they're nine foot ceilings, and okay. so I could just get three of them stacked up, sort of navy bunk style. Wow! And. Uh, and so that was that's, that's that was a fun. real
0: test. You have to have a lot of confidence in your skills when you're stacking mm. your
2: children one on top of the other. That's true. Yeah, your yeah. own yeah. handiwork, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah. So I I, I will admit I did I did overbuild them. I I I used probably. Uh, you know, bigger, bigger material than I absolutely needed, okay. um, because of exactly that, um, okay. and stronger joints than I absolutely needed, just in order to to make sure everything was nice and secure. Right. Uh, they haven't knocked it over yet. It's pretty, pretty substantial. So.
0: And you were saying, but you were saying you specialize. Yeah. Is that so? Is that so the, the Pairings it's not no okay. no it's not
2: so so I, I do I do furniture for myself my family um, you know I lots of bookshelves as I said started with that still do that but uh, what I've done uh, for 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 profit is wooden spoons and spatulas um, one of the things going all the way back to the the, uh, the homestead heritage the place where I Learn some of these skills. I was I uh, was watching. They had occasional events that we like to go to. And, uh, I was watching a demo once where one of the instructors there uh, carved out a wooden spatula with a couple of couple of simple hand tools, uh, and I watched him do it. and I i I'd already been practicing with these, and I owned one or two of the tools already. And I thought, oh well, well that doesn't look all that hard. I could I could try that. And and as it happened, my wife uh, had. Uh, uh, soon, soon there afterwards, uh, broke a few wooden spoons in the kitchen, you know, vigorously mixing something uh, or other, and, uh, and and asked, well, you know, can we make a wooden spoon that, that won't break so okay. easily? And I said, well, sensing an opportunity, I might have to buy one or two more tools if that's all right. And she yeah. said, well, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, we just need the wooden spoons. So i like, yes, okay, I've got it. Um, I've tried that strategy uh, with with varying degrees of success ever since. Well, yes, okay. I could potentially but build that. I will need some more. But I'll tools. need some I'll need some more tools, that's right. So, so anyway, I the first few I did um were were pretty awful looking and uh and, and my, my my mother has one or two of them and she refuses to let me burn them. Um, but I <laughs> but I, I kept practicing and trying on different things and it was I mean it was really I would say it was self-taught. It was but I, I learned it not not just from myself, but I learned it through engagement, thoughtful engagement with with the wood and with the tools. Uh, I mean, the tools and the wood taught me uh, wow. as much as as anything.
0: That is the poet speaking, right oh, there. Huh? Thank you. Oh this... man, that's so. Uh, what is there a like? You, you had a, a spoon that broke. So is there a special kind of wood that you were? Oh.
2: Well, that you need to
0: to to make something unbreakable.
2: So it's not it's not so much about the wood itself. Um, although some woods are definitely stronger than others. Some woods are, um, you know, some woods hold up better to constantly being wet in the kitchen than others do. Uh, it's really actually about the about the way that the the utensil is originally cut out. It's about the the prep the prep work okay. as much as it is about the the actual shaping. Uh, because if you've, uh, and we happen to be sitting at a table that's wood that's got some grain here, and you can yes. see that the grain runs in a particular direction, mostly straight, although in a lot of pieces of wood, if you pick them up, you'll notice the grain will run, you know, and all of a sudden it'll take a 30-degree turn or a bit of a curve here and there. Well, if you run a, a spoon handle through that curve, a, a machine doesn't know it any better, it just cuts straight, okay. um, well, then the grain will run out. Uh, wood is very, very strong, even the weakest woods. Are very strong in the direction of the grain. If if the grain runs true, if it runs straight, okay. um, uh, at the cellular level, wood uh, it's often compared to a, to a bundle of, of drinking straws. Um, they're, they're long tubes that suck the water up from the roots up into the to the right. to the okay. leaves. Uh, and so these, these, uh, these, uh, if you if you follow that, um, and and cut your 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 spoon handle out to follow that, then it's very strong. I mean, you th- even think about you know how much force it takes to say break a pencil or even right. a toothpick, which is you know which which is very very thin. Um, so uh, so, if you, you let their grain run true, then it works. But of course, if you're, you know, if you're in a factory, and you're making hundreds of these things a day, you're not really looking to see, oh, let's orient this particular spoon so the grain w- runs true. Okay. You're just running them out of board after board after board, and some of them, the grain will run true, some of them will, will run out, it doesn't really matter, you're just after maximum production. So uh, so what I do is uh, if I can, I can't always, but if I can, I start from the log, uh, usually a, a log uh, from a tree that's gone down somewhere or some you know somebody's had a, had a tree come down in their, uh, in their yard. Uh, um, actually some of my some of my best wood came from an old pecan tree that uh, the neighbor of ours uh, took down some years ago and Hauled it off and and I, I got the log and uh, started splitting it up and long story short I used a lot of it for uh, for spoons I used some of it for my my uh, my tool chest and a lot of other things so uh, that that log is spread throughout my Amazing. throughout my house it's it's wonderful but but it really does come down to how you how you begin that that process.
0: So that goes, that's where the phrase, with the grain. With the grain, comes from.
2: absolutely. Well, and, and I know this doesn't help our listeners. However, yeah. if, you'll, if you'll pardon some of the some, some noise, I brought along a couple of these, oh, just so you brought could see some them. Spoons along. Yeah. Okay. So. Awesome. So what I've got, what I've got in front of us, uh, is a is a light colored spatula. That's a fairly sa- uh, simple thing. It's made out of soft maple from a tree that came down um, in the yard of a friend of or neighbor of a friend of my parents I okay. think I got that right <laughs> and uh, I got a hold of it there and and the the grain is is uh, looks fairly plain from back there but you look it's it's nice but you'll notice that the uh, you can draw you you can see the lines if you look closely in any spoon you can see can the see lines it. of the grain and you can see that it, the, you know it runs from uh, the end of the handle all the way up to the business end in a straight line, and that's a, that's a spoon that, that really just won't won't, it won't break. break. Yeah, wow. no matter how much that's, you do that. Did you know? So, I, I
0: did not know any of this. this yeah. is amazing how ignorant one can be of things. So you have to find a. Um, so if you were looking mm-hmm. at a piece of wood, and the grain suddenly went strangely off to the side. Yeah. That would be a part that you wouldn't you wouldn't, you wouldn't so use. Would I, I either
2: wouldn't use, or I'd set it aside for something else, or if I were feeling really creative, I might, and I have, I might try to actually uh, modify the utensil to, to follow that grain uh, okay. and just get something with a handle that's slightly curved or slightly twisted and just try to do something really unique with oh. it. Uh, and in fact, some of my, and I wish I'd brought more now, um, some of my most fun ones, Uh, Unfortunately, most of which I've sold, uh, but some of which I have. uh, Some of the most fun ones that I do uh, do require me to to follow out the grain a little bit and and follow it around little curves and really uh, and and sometimes yeah sometimes you just get something really just fascinating and unique out of that.
0: Amazing. This is the other one you have here. So the other one dark, much darker. It
2: is. So this one here is. this is a small spoon, it's made from black walnut. Uh, this particular tree came down, I helped take down actually, in my in-laws backyard up in Indiana. And uh, I stored the logs away, most of them in the back of my, my father-in-law's shed. And uh, every time we go up to visit them, I take a few chunks and throw, stick them under the seats of the minivan um, or in the back under the suitcases. And, and eventually I brought back uh, a couple of logs worth uh, over the course of about five years of family vacations, um, and so this one, uh, this this one, as you can see, again the the grain runs pretty true from the from the end all the way to the end, right over here in the handle. You can see it uh, it curves just a little bit, but not enough to compromise the integrity of the spoon.
0: Man, that's amazing. We yeah. can actually we can put take pictures of these and we'll put them up for people to look. Oh, sure thing. Yeah, that sounds and, great. And then of course. As you said, Stephen underscore Schuller, If you want to it's see a, more of this, word. yeah, Steve, yeah, Steve, Steve underscore, yeah, underscore Schuller. Schuller,
2: Schuler, S C H U L E R, on Instagram.
0: Now, so 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 so, you make these spoons mm-hmm. and you sell them. Do you sell them in, in, a, in a marketplace? Do you, can people buy them online or? Oh, that's a great question.
2: Work? So. My favorite place to sell them is at little local craft markets, farmers markets. Chickasaw has a little uh, monthly uh, craft uh, farmers market. There's usually about a dozen of us vendors out there uh, on a a Saturday morning uh, about once a month and it's, it's a lot of fun and I get to know people in the community, so that's a great one. There's a there are a couple of other craft markets that I do from time to time here in the area. I really love selling them uh, in person when people can pick them up and and hold them and feel right. feel how they how they feel in the hand. The wonderful thing is I I do each of these with hand tools. Each one I have templates that I use. I have some patterns that I found. That was one of the one of the really uh, really difficult things I had uh, right at the beginning. You know, you know, make a spoon. Sure, everyone knows what a spoon looks like, but 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 do we really? I mean, how long is it supposed to be? How how wide is the bowl supposed to be? Supposed yeah. to be deep, um, you know, how thick is the handle supposed to be? What are the dimensions? And after uh, after a, a lot of experimenting, uh, I, I hit on a few designs that that worked, and I realized they worked because they were the ones. In my kitchen, that I reached for all the time, that I kept using. Okay. And after a while, I thought, you know what, the ones that I keep using, I'll bet other people would like them too. So. Yes. I I made myself some templates based on those and started replicating them. But even so, because they're all done individually with hand tools, each one is a little different. Each one is a little bit different in thickness, uh, in width. Each one hefts a little bit differently, balances a little bit differently. So one that's just just, you know perfect for one set of hands might be feel a little little clunky or a little delicate for for someone else. So
0: I'll have to buy one and take it back to
2: South Africa for someone. Oh, there you go as a gift. (laughs) Oh, that sounds like a plan. Now that
0: I've said that on, on, on a recording, I can't back out of it. Can you, can, you can always edit it out. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I wouldn't do such a thing. Good do for you. you. Do you... Um...
2: I, well, you asked if I do them online. Yes. I, I will sell them online if people want to, to get in touch with me. They can uh, they can message me through Facebook or Instagram, and I'd be happy to show them what I have. I don't have a website. I used to sell through the Etsy Platform, but Etsy has gotten kind of overcrowded with much bigger operations, and uh, and and it it got to the point where it was a lot more trouble to take pictures and post them and and write descriptions. Uh, and 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 then I was still selling, tried to sell things that people mostly buy once they pick up in person. Mm -hmm. Um, the The picture, the pictures can get get nice, and I. I had to learn to take pictures of these things um, that way. That was a that was another whole rabbit hole I had to go down a few, few feet before I kind of figured out how that worked. Um, but um, but truth be told, I don't really like selling online I will of course mm-hmm. um, happy to happy to mail them I've, I've mailed a, a pipe as far as oh good heavens it was one of the Balkan states <laughs> oh, really? um some yeah some fellas <laughs>
0: I, I was as a joke I was gonna say me. to Russia or something very it was doing, close, close
2: it was yeah it was some something oh good heavens I don't remember anyway um okay. that's I, I, as far as I know that's that's as far as they've gone. I, I might have had one or two end up in England somehow. Nice. Uh, people taking them over. So so South Africa I think would be a new a, new, a new location, location for me. me. Yeah, I'd be delighted to have one um,
0: And so do you, do you, are pipes? You make mm. do you make a lot of pipes? Oh well, so
2: I yeah so I went I went through a I went through a um, a phase where I was I was making uh, I was making a few tobacco pipes um, and I, I haven't made one. Recently, um, there—that's uh, another. It's another. Oh boy, that was another whole rabbit hole.
0: That, uh, those look dif- those look complicated. I mean, this looks. Complicated oh, they are. As well, but a pipe as well. You have yeah. to. Yeah. Well, how do you? Oh, even, good How do you even begin? Oh,
2: well, the the spit. <laughs> you know, yeah. The spoons are are fairly straightforward. It takes yeah. me a few tools, and after after making a few hundred of these things, I mean, I've lost count long ago. But I mean, just based on my monthly averages. After making a few hundred of these things, I can turn one of these out in half an hour. Um, one of these spoons, I mean, it's, if that's working hard and quickly, if the wood behaves. But uh, yeah, making a pipe takes hours and hours and it, it's a, it is a long and complicated process. Um, it all started when um, when a friend of mine, uh, who was a pipe smoker, dropped a, uh, a, a block of, of wood with a stem stuck in it on my desk at work and said you need to make yourself a pipe you're an English professor you need a pipe right so clearly clearly this was a need in my life Um, yeah my wife was not particularly thrilled with the idea of, of pipe smoking so it's not something I really do on a regular basis. Um, no, yeah. no. Yeah. I know I, I, I learned how just so I could I right. could make the pipes. Um, but it is. It's it's tough. You have to you have to begin by drilling well, a number of ways, number of ways to do it. The way I did it was to uh, to drill out the inside first the 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 tobacco chamber in the bowl and then a, a matching draft hole for uh, an airway for the smoke to go through that connects to the stem. Uh, and then after that you yeah, you saw out uh, as much of the block of wood as you can. It's a special wood too. It's uh, if you know what you're doing. It's a um, it's a briar that, you, that grows only in the Mediterranean region. So you get it Not in really. mail order. Yeah, uh, I mean, you can make it of other things, but that's that is hands down the best best organic pipe material material probably the best pipe material there is aside from some clay which is rather delicate okay. and smokes very well you know the you know the the, the clay pipes they dig up in these archaeological oh, right. excavations yes. from the you know 17th 16th 17th century yes um, but yeah it's it's quite a process it takes a lot of rasp and file work and frankly an awful lot of sandpaper work going from Coarse grit to fine grit, to you get a mirror finish on it because the the briar wood finishes up so it finishes up beautifully, and and if you apply a, a stain to it, it, it really brings out some some absolutely stunning grain. If you get a nice block, but it is an awful lot of work, okay. like I would say. So it's it's been one of these things that I've done off and on here and there. Um, and
0: you have some pipes, I've seen. Them. I do, I do own I've a even few. Even tried to smoke from one. Once. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Well, it's and it's They're beautiful. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I, I've made, I, those I did keep track of. Uh, and I've made 50 some of them over, over the course of a few years. Um, and even now, I'm not, I would say I'm not particularly good at it each one is a real challenge to get right I, I follow a lot of uh, a lot of professional pipe makers on Instagram okay. um, and of course these are guys who are selling pipes for you know 300 400 dollars a piece um, yeah mine, mine is, smoke. No, that, yes I, oh and there and there's some of them are just absolutely beautiful. stunning gorgeous um, something I learned about them though it's it's not just about the execution the the shaping of them is a real art. there's a there's a certain there's a certain set of dimensions that you really have to hit. Um, and if you you're just a little bit off, um, I mean it can smoke okay, but a, but someone with a good eye will look at it and say, mm, not quite right okay. uh, but it taught me an awful lot about. Trying to trying to get dimensions right and using actually even ratios uh, To in laying out ratios, um, you know, so, uh, you know, a bowl might be as you know Might be three times as high as the the stem is thick for example And wow. that looks right to the eye because okay. there's a there's a ratio there um, Or the bowl the pipe of the, the the bowl pipe might be you know, twice as wide as the as the stem is high uh, and oh. so that three to two to one ratio just really attracts the eye in ways that uh, we kind of all know intuitively. And if I yeah. set a bunch in front of you and there was one that hit that ratio, you'd be drawn to that one and naturally. Uh, our amazing. eyes okay. do that kind of thing. It's, yeah, it's, it's amazing what you learn when you go down these little rabbit holes. Incredible. Yeah.
0: I'm hearing so much about like, this quest to just learn more and more and more. Um, yeah. Is it... How has it um, changed? Does it has it changed your approach to life in some way? I mean, it takes up a large mm. part of your time. Yeah, I suppose it does. And do you do? You lo- I mean, you obviously uh-huh. enjoy it. Yeah. What is it like? Do you sort of just get lost in the process, and <laughs> you go into Sometimes. a state of flow and <laughs> well,
2: you know, ideally, yes, that's yeah. that's what you want to do. Yeah. Um, you you get the material and you start working with it, and you're focusing and you're you're executing the your, your very carefully laid plans. Then, of course, sometimes the the wood doesn't quite behave, and you mm-hmm. have to make adjustments, and that's. That's always a learning process. Of course, what actually happens is that I get going in the flow and then one of the kids will ask me for a snack or okay. <laughs> or ask me where mom is so they can go ask her for a snack. Yeah. Um, and that's that's just a reality of life. I still, yeah. to this day, as you've seen uh, in my dining room, I still work indoors largely with hand tools uh, and that allows me to have, we have a big dining room, small house, but a big dining room and uh, and so one end of my dining room has, uh, has a joiner's workbench at it and yes. that's, and I've got some of my hand tools, the bigger ones, hanging on the walls. They look like uh, they, they look like the decorations down at the Cracker Barrel, except these are all functional. <laughs> yeah. And so it gives your
0: house a feeling of being not from another time, but sort of just out of time, like para, if living in a parallel dimension where the rest of the world yeah. is going on, but your house is somehow preserved in a. In a, in a in a better a time in a, in warp, a, in a time warp, in <laughs> yeah. a good way. Well, it in a, it in does a, in a good way. <laughs> it
2: does it does feel like that sometimes, um, and and that's you know that that's something that that my wife and I I think have kind of half intentionally half unintentionally cultivated is that you know there are certain parts of we all get I think get nostalgic, especially those of us who teach literature. Yeah, uh, get kind of nostalgic for certain parts of a bygone era. Not that we'd actually want to live, you know. Back when there was no indoor plumbing, for example, yeah. or or no no uh, you know vaccinations or antibiotics, but uh, but but there are parts of our history. Just because we put a you know put the the bad parts of our history behind us doesn't mean we can't embrace and even be grateful for a lot of the the good parts. Much of which has been lost in in the rush for progress and efficiency and right. and you know industrial level production. You know which is which of course has done us you know good. I mean we're sitting in. You know, rooms with air conditioning, and I would—I for one would never have lived in the South. I would never survive in the South without no. air conditioning. Um, I think, honestly, I think the South, the air conditioning, made the South habitable. Um, I mean, I, I think it's made it possible to have cities like Atlanta as right. big and Houston as big as they are. Um, I don't think they'd ever gotten that big had we not been able to to right. air condition. Um, but um, but at the same time, I do like to preserve some of the best of the past that I. That I can, and and on, I find that for myself at least, doing things in these old ways with hand tools um, allows me to do things in ways that that other people can't do. And frankly, it gives me at the the, uh, the farmers markets and the craft markets gives me a competitive edge um, because <laughs> nice. you know yeah. because I am doing things in ways and I can do things in w- uh, in ways that other people can't. I mean, if you you're looking at some of the you know one of these spoons that I've picked up. Um, you know, it's not just any machine that could could crank this out. If you look at the, the the contours of it, for example, the contours of the handle, the variations in the width and the thickness. Um, you'd have to have a very sophisticated machine to be able to replicate this. But the only thing it could do is replicate exactly this Every time there would be no variations, and it would become lifeless. Uh, and so, what I can offer people is something that is uh, that that's it's handcrafted, uh, but it's intentionally done, and I, I hope skillfully done. Uh, and it's but but every piece is unique, and so so it does. It gives me a competitive advantage. Um, now I charge more. I charge more for them, but they're also. Um, they're it also changes. guaranteed not. Yeah, I mean, if it, it breaks, break. if and if it does, I will make you another one free of charge. Um, okay. As long as I can make a spoon, it's my lifetime guarantee. My lifetime, not yours. Okay. Um, but
0: as long as you're still able to as make, as long a spoon, as I can replace the spoon. And
2: you know what? Uh, in in, I, I think I started doing this about. 13 years ago um, I've had to make good on that once um, and that was actually the United States Postal Service that damaged something in, in transit um, and uh, not uh, not even a fault in the workmanship so. Wow
0: okay that's a good that's that's a good record have you um, I I'd, I'd actually assumed you'd grown up doing this as a child but now have you... Taught, are your, are your children learning some of these skills from you? Do they have any interest in it?
2: So, you know, they do. Some of them do. And something I did learn. Growing up, becoming an adult, was that, mm-hmm. you know, was that we we tend to to pick up some of the the obs- the, the hobbies even the obsessions of our parents. Um, sometimes even those that we didn't really appreciate as kids. Um, my father, for example, is an avid gardener. Uh, okay. He loves planting gardens and planting, and oddly enough, planting trees. I like cutting them down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a
0: symbiotic. Relationship. It really is. yeah it is it is
2: yeah. um, <laughs> none of the ones that he's planted are yet ready to. to to cut down. And of course, but as
0: soon as they are, somebody else owns that,
2: somebody else owns that property now. I think so. Yeah, that's all right. But, um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I think um, my goal is to teach a lot of my kids to teach all of my kids. I have five of them. Um, to teach them all the basics. Now, my oldest one, who's 24, uh, she can make a spoon. Uh, she's learned how to do it. Um, and um, she's, it's not her favorite thing to do. She does other kinds of, of crafts, but, uh, but she was able to, to build herself her own bookshelves for her room, um, to build her, herself uh, things that she needed. In fact, she just got finished building herself her second dresser. Um, she built a dresser a couple of years ago, was unsatisfied with it, so sold it to a friend and built a new one that uh, she thought was was better done uh, now that she was more confident in her work, uh, okay. less rushed. And so, yeah, Natalie uh, Natalie was able to do that. Um, with I mean, and I, I, I helped her with bits and pieces, and of course she used a lot of my tools, uh, but she also has a, a pretty, pretty good uh, toolkit all of her own that she's picked up over the years. Um, and now my, my younger kids are doing this. All of my younger kids have made something. And so they've all made oven hooks uh, for, for pulling out, and little wooden hooks for pulling out and pushing in your oven rack. Um, and they've all done other things uh, with wood My when I was making, just uh, last year, uh, my my son, who was then six, uh, was helping me out uh, drive screws for his uh, his little bed frame that we were putting together, and so yeah, each one of them has helped me in different ways, and and so I, I'm trying to pass on the the principles, the fundamentals. This is something I've learned too is that uh, w- whether it's woodworking or whether it's you know doing what we do every day, working with with words, um, we uh, I've always wanted to call myself a word worker, but I you don't know if that's gonna catch yeah. on. I
0: think that sounds good. Yeah. Okay.
2: But yeah. but it it uh but but I found out that if you master some of the fundamentals, you master watching the wood grain, if you master being able to to use a handsaw to cut to a line, to cut something accurately. Frankly 50% of woodworking is, is learning to cut something accurately um, mm-hmm. learning to, to make an accurate cut oftentimes with a saw of some cor- uh, some kind um, Learning to smooth it out and, uh, and and get it to the right dimensions. then you can do practically anything. you can get you know wood to, to fit together into, um, into into bookshelves or into chairs or into barns or whatever else you, you happen to want to do uh, it's, it's amazing what you can do and that, that's one of the things that I, I really appreciated about the, the classes that I took is they really focused on fundamentals uh, the idea was not to walk away with um, you know a piece of furniture that you built the idea was to walk away with skills um, mm-hmm. with some foundational skills in learning how this stuff uh, how, how this stuff works and how to how to put together uh, two pieces of wood in a way that, that will will uh, will capitalize on their strengths and and won't come apart under stress.
0: Interesting. So what if, if there was anyone who was listening and they decided, hearing this makes me want to start woodworking, what would be the first step?
2: Well, you know, for me, the first step is always doing research. I mean, my, my you know, rallying cry is always quick to the library.
0: Okay. <laughs> but
2: um, so so for myself of course the ma- the, the the whole thing ra- uh, revolves around getting as much information as you can from a wide variety of sources and trying to figure this out. But I I think that a couple of things come to mind beyond that just getting knowledge. I mean, knowledge is is easy to find these days. Unfortunately, if you don't know what you're looking for if you don't want you know what you're looking at it's it's easy to get misled um, you know the the ability to craft wood into beautiful furniture or even into to sturdy furniture um, doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the skill set that it takes to post a video online there are right. plenty of, of woodworkers who are who are doing amazing work but their stuff doesn't show up because they're, they, that's not what they're into. There are also a lot of very mediocre woodworkers on YouTube, I'm afraid to say, um, or people who are just quirky. And if you try to follow them, they're yeah, you, you'll you'll end up in a in a rather odd place. They're um, influences, yes. Wood, woodwork influence. Oh, I hate that word. Anyway, it's <laughs> um, sheer jealousy because I'm not one, I suppose, but um the There's time it is well it is time, yeah. There's time. there is time that's no true.
0: i'm kidding yeah uh so so time, anyway yeah. how do
2: how to do this um uh so i i think a, a couple of things come to mind one of them is to really focus on mastering a couple of fundamentals uh and the the most important fundamental if you're going to do this with hand tools kind of an old-fashioned way is to learn to sharpen learn to to sharpen uh, a woodworking tool to to razor sharpness and honestly the hands down the best way is to find someone who knows how to do it and let them show you how to do it because there are some fundamentals that you can do uh, and in you know in in about 20 or 30 minutes you can learn to sharpen something in person now if you go the YouTube route it may take you a few weeks Mm -hmm. um, because it's a lot of trial and error But uh, but I I highly recommend taking class. And fortunately, there are more and more of these things around. You know, there are there are woodworking shops and and makers spaces and clubs. Um, So I I would highly recommend getting face to face with somebody. Who who already is doing what you want to do? Um, mm-hmm. We have a tendency, unfortunately, because the the internet makes everything so easy to access. We we have a tendency to kind of isolate ourselves behind our screens. I mean, shoot, I I I, I realized this um, when. When not too long ago, I, I walked into a lobby uh, full of, of students who were between classes, waiting for classes to start. Used to be, even five years ago, um, it would be a noisy place. Mm. Um, uh, they'd be talking to each other and interacting. Of course, it wouldn't be deep conversation, but it would be genuine interaction. Now, it's dead silent every single one was on a Looking phone. At their phones. Yeah, oh, and
0: I, no, I yeah. Know. It's a scary feeling, almost. It is. Almost, you know? it like is. you've
2: walked into a strange
0: sci-fi movie or something. Yeah. Do you make people put their phones away?
2: I encourage it, but I, I realized I could either teach English or I could be the telephone the phone poli- phone police. And yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I'm hired to teach English. So yeah. that and I figure they're paying to be there. And and this sounds maybe too, I don't know. Uh, I don't know This sounds too uh, uh, too pragmatic but I, I, I figure that, that they're the ones paying to be there and if, if they really want to to pay to be there and sit on their phones and not take anything in um, then then they still they still pay and <laughs> you know and they, they don't get a lot out of it. unfortunately, you yeah, know right. sometimes they don't stick around because they don't learn anything and that's sad mm. but I, I I realized pretty quickly that I can't force anyone to learn something. I can encourage them. Um, I can urge them to learn, but I can't force them. So every now and again, I'll give a reminder to put the phone down. Um, but uh, but it's it's something that I just I I I haven't been able to enforce with any kind of consistency. So I don't want to say I've given up necessarily, um, but but I also I also believe in giving students their freedom. And if they really want to not learn, then I'm not going to try to force them to yeah. learn. I will. I will lay it out in front of them and as much as they want to get there it's there and I will continue to faithfully do that um but um but yeah it's uh it, it it's a struggle but anyway so back to the woodworking thing uh this is called detours ahead detours right ahead. there you are we There's can go we can take detours yes so but but yeah, I, I, I think it's, it is so easy to get isolated behind our screens. Um, and, it's, and a couple of things happen with that when we do that. Um, and one of them is that we, we tend to get overwhelmed. We see somebody, especially on a w- really well edited, uh, woodworking video, you see someone just effortlessly crafting this beautiful thing mm. and every cut is precise and perfect and you just watch this thing take shape and it, it is a beautiful process um, and I've seen some, some absolutely stunning work uh, by people who are also stunning videographers and it's inspiring. Um, but then of course you get into your own little shop and it never works out like it does right. in the video. And it's so easy to get discouraged and throw it away and, and you know try to do something else. And of course, I, mean, I think a lot of us I, I do certainly have, you know, remnants of old hobbies that we've tried out and never really quite, oh yes, yes quite, you course. know, carried through. And that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing. We we have to go through this process of exploration. Um, but but I think it's it's all too easy to quit too quickly if you don't have people nearby. The other thing I would say is try to figure out exactly what you want to make and figure out exactly what you need to do to make that. whether it's a a bookshelf, or whether it's a a mantelpiece, or or whether it's a wooden spoon, um, and, and find the absolute simplest way that you can acquire the tools and skills to make that thing. And the great thing about woodworking is that no matter what that thing was, those tools, Uh, are gonna be useful, those skills are gonna be useful for the next thing. You'll have to add maybe another couple of tools, another couple of skills. Uh, but, But focus on a project, something Preferably something fairly simple that you want to make and 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 try making it and don't get discouraged. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Of course, your know, your family will be family will be uh, will be thrilled and amazed, and you'll be looking at it thinking, "Oh, there's so many mistakes. I don't know even why I bothered." And everyone will think, "You made this with your own hands. It's wonderful and beautiful." And just don't don't point out the flaws. Just just smile and say, "Well, thank thank you. I'm yes, I, I'm I'm so glad you're pleased with it." <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah, and it can, can become a real, a real wonderful thing.
0: Amazing. Okay. Let me think of one last question. So for people who are not woodworkers, but they have creative projects, mm. what piece of advice could you offer? And what do you think people in other fields could take away from the woodworking world hmm. I know that's a tricky one I mean I'm hearing things I sure. have heard for, from you for instance is um, learning foundational skills yeah learning a, a sort of group of foundational skills that you can use to build on top of yeah finding a finding a finding someone who does what you do and he mm-hmm. does it well does what you want to do yeah and you can learn from them as opposed to stumbling around in the dark by yourself <laughs> yeah. and i think that's i mean that's useful for for almost anything in life i think Absolutely. there's um i've been trying to relearn the guitar now oh. i learned it as a, as a kid and i've been doing this sort of youtube route because i mean as you say it's the easy way the easy way to do things sure. um but it does you, you do tend to get kind of um stuck in a bit of a rut without having someone who has just that little bit extra knowledge that you do to help you and point out where mm-hmm. you're going wrong. Um, well, those are two things I think apply yeah. to almost anything you're learning in life and any creative sure. project someone might have. But what
2: else? Well, I, I think one of the things that I've learned doing this is, is how valuable real skills are and how difficult it is to really become skill It doesn't mean it's impossible, and it doesn't yeah. mean you shouldn't try. Um, you know, a lot of people shy away from from the difficult, uh, and that's understandable. We don't want to take on too many difficult things in our lives. You know, one or two things that are difficult at a time. You know, yes. uh, you know, raising a child, writing a poem. Yes. Uh, you know, carving a wooden spoon. That's plenty. Right. We don't need to need to do everything right. in a difficult way. However. One of the things that this has has helped me to do is to have a real appreciation for for skilled labor in in other fields wow. um, you know it, it used to be that that I, I would tackle for example, practically any household repair project myself just because I thought I could save a few bucks and, and I could and do it maybe okay to where maybe the house wouldn't flood or burn down. Um, <laughs> Preferably. But right. I mean, if you saved a few bucks. If I saved a few bucks, that's right. And you
0: put it into the insurance policy. Exactly. Then, uh, maybe it was still worth it in the
2: end. <laughs> Yeah. But but I found out, you know, that, um, that, that real knowledge and real skills are, are valuable, and they're valuable enough to, to actually pay for. I think one yeah. of the things that, that we as Americans have a real hard time doing is is paying a fair price. We're always looking for a bargain, and and I am. I mean, I, I'm a bargain shopper. I, I comparison shop. So yes, I, I I buy things on Amazon and at Walmart, um, just like practically every other American does. Yeah. But I've but but in the process of setting up my little booth at my craft at the craft fairs and asking people to pay, you know, three times, four times for a wooden spoon what they could pay for a Machine-made wooden spoon at Walmart. Um, I, I've learned that that yeah, I, I really should have a lot more respect for for craftsmen, whether that's you know roofers or plumbers or um, or appliance repair people. It's made me much more willing to. Um, to find the people who are really good at their jobs, whether it's, you know, appliance repair or, like I said, a roofers or whatever and 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 feel good about paying them a fair wage to do their job and do it really, really well. Um, I'm, I'm not afraid to do that. And of course, you know, um, you know teaching English doesn't make a lot of money so I, I can't do that as often as I would like um, but it, it doesn't it doesn't hurt as much when I'm writing out that check to the professional to the to the mechanic uh, for example to yeah. to do that work and and make something work and work well now of course you know you, finding a, a competent professional is, is difficult but when I find them it's yeah it, it's really helped me the other thing it's helped me do um, is is to to pay a lot more attention to to the difference between mass-produced mediocre work that's really made to be sold rather than used, uh, and work that's actually thoughtfully designed, thoughtfully used, and and made to to be used and made to last. Uh, and of course, there's there there's lo- there there is you know, mass-produced material that uh, that's made to be uh... to be used and and it's made to not wear out quickly but it's really given me an appreciation and actually i hope i think Given me an eye. One of my favorite things to do sometimes when I'm on vacation is to browse in antique stores and and that and and just start looking over the furniture. You, you can learn so much once you know how something was built. You can learn about you, you can you can look over a piece of furniture and look for telltale signs, joinery, uh, just just pulling out a drawer um and, and looking at the way a drawer in a, in a dresser is constructed you can tell um about you know about when it was built and uh, and how it was built and um and and and, uh, and so it's, it's given me a real appreciation for old things but it's 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 also helped me appreciate uh the difference between yeah between material that is stuff that's made to be you know, sold and mm-hmm. and discarded and stuff that's made to be actually used. And uh, and so, you know, my, my project with my woodworking is to be to fill the house with things that uh, that are made to be uh, that are made to last and things that well, as one, one woodworker I know says, uh, you know, they're future heirlooms. Uh, yeah. they there's stuff that's made to be passed down. That's
0: that's really inspiring. I like to hear that. Well, I we've been talking now for an hour. Has it been? Oh, wow. It's been an hour. Do you want to keep talking?
2: Sure. If you have something to list to do, to, to ask, go right ahead. I don't mind at all.
0: I mean, I think that that, that was that was potentially a, a fantastic place to stop because I think we captured the essence of what we're trying to find out in this podcast yeah. that we're starting. um i think the 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 point you make about this modern world that we're all caught up in to some degree trying to get things cheaper faster easier then but then the the the, the, that pushes the sort of opposite end of the extreme where people will appreciate things that have been carefully crafted yeah and um, i mean this is not exactly the same but kind of related uh over the past past decade, as the sort of Amazon economy really sank in, and lots of stores kind of just went out of business, yeah, there was this um, rise in popularity for independent bookstores, which we're I'm obviously interested in. We're both interested in, and I think that that aside, just from getting pe- people are not only just maybe worn out of getting things cheap and easily, but mm-hmm. also missing the experience of actually going out and getting something like talking to the person who's selling it, like yeah. there's this, yeah. this human aspect to buying stuff like going down to the market and getting the groceries that you're going to yeah. get and yeah. knowing the person who sells them to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, that, when, the sort of, when that disappears, it's quite sad. And I think people long for that. Yeah. And maybe maybe it's coming back. Who I hope say? so. I hope so. Yeah. Well, I think I'm I found that really intriguing. I knew only the absolute bare minimum about woodworking. I found the details all very interesting. And the the philosophical ideas behind it just as inspiring and interesting. So well, that's great. Thank you very much. I appreciate your coming down to talk to oh, us.
2: Well thank you so much for having me. It really has been a pleasure.
0: Great. And again, If anyone wants to see these, Instagram, Steve underscore Shula. And we'll put up some pictures of the work. Thank you. Detours Ahead is brought to you by Bayou Wolf Press, bringing you books with freckles and glasses. If you're a fellow traveler pursuing a creative life, we'd love to hear from you. Please send us an email at bayouwolfpress at gmail.com questions, comments, or if you'd like to be considered for a future interview, give us a brief blurb about yourself and what you do. That's BayouWolfPress at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, or go to our website at BayouWolfPress.com to learn more about us and receive updates on our podcast, videos, blog posts, and upcoming book releases.